Thanos to Theos is a new podcast in the Rooted Podcast Network that features conversations ranging from ministry and theology to comics and culture. Hey guys, welcome back to the Thanos to Theos podcast where we talk about all things from culture to comics and from theology and ministry. Uh, my name is Clark, and I'm a worship pastor here in San Francisco, and uh, these are my other co-hosts. You guys can introduce, introduce yourselves. I'm Mike, and I'm a youth pastor on the South Shore of Massachusetts. I'm Kevin, and I'm a youth pastor in Los Angeles, California. So this week is the week of April. Well, today is April 24th, as we're recording. And this is the one-year anniversary week of Avengers Endgame, uh, which came out last year. Oh, yeah. Highest-grossing film worldwide ever in history. And so just kind of as a fun nod to the, to the movie and to tap into our own uh, love for all things nerdy that this film stands for, we wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into the MCU universe and talk about our favorite character story arcs throughout the movie film. So what do you guys think? Who are your favorite char- your favorite characters and their story arcs and uh and why? We have to start with Mike on this one. So my favorite character is Spider-Man, but I think the best story arc throughout the MCU is Iron Man. As cliche as that is with the whole I love very you th- cliche. with a, with the whole like I love you 3000 and self-sacrificing and everything. But I mean thinking about where he starts off with just this um brash and arrogant playboy type of person who doesn't really care about anyone else and is just all about the bravado. Um how you see him come to terms with uh becoming a, not a war dealer you know of just selling his weapons for money um and then becoming the hero of iron man uh and then you know with after ultron and the whole uh, civil war scenario of seeing the actual innocent lives lost and grappling with that reality um and then taking peter parker under his wing and uh that father-son relationship um leading to him finally achieving in the beginning of Endgame, you know, he has what everyone else lost in this weird twist of fate, and then he sacrifices his dream, his heaven, so to speak, so that others could experience their hopes. And I just, I think that's a really compelling storyline. Um, so. He's not my favorite character in the MCU, but I think that's my favorite story arc. Then again, that's the hero gig. Part of the journey is the end. What am I even tripping for? Everything's gonna work out exactly the way it's supposed to. I love you 3000. I, I loved his story arc too, for all the same reasons. However, don't you think it was kind of predictable? It absolutely was predictable. Like, I saw that coming from Avengers 1. But in the most beautiful kind of way. I think, okay, because in Avengers 1, the very first Avengers, Marvel's Avengers, when Tony and Cap first meet and they're going, they're they're arguing on the helicarrier, one of the things that Cap says is, you're not the type of guy who would lay, his, lay down on the wire. And then Tony's like, no, I'll just cut it. He says, see, there's always a way out. <laughs> 
So right there, I mean, that's already a foreshadowing of him potentially sacrificing himself by taking the nuke into outer space through the portal. But then he survives that. But I think that's a more long-term foreshadowing of what's going to happen in Endgame. So when when Endgame came around, I was like, I already know what's going to happen. I'm just curious about how he's going to get there. But does that make the story less that much less compelling? I don't think so, no. I mean, I still loved it. I just... Yeah. To me, the predictability. I, mean, I still of it. weep like a baby every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I I still am a grown man who cries, shedding tears. Probably the only times I've shed tears, like <laughs> dripping down my face, are at my wedding day when my kid was born and when Tony Stark gave his life. Oh man! Every every single time. Every time, man. It's like, come hilarious. on. But yeah. I, I don't know. Something about the predictability also made me like not think it was the best, the most compelling. Uh, okay. All right. So what's your take? I haven't... There is another storyline that I think is really interesting, but I'll save it for later because right. I don't think it was the most compelling. Kevin, you want to go next? No. You just said... My, you okay. Okay. One. All right. Yay. All right. All right. Or wait, wait. Okay, mine is simpler. Yours okay. is definitely more complicated. My, mine's gonna take some time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. To work uh, so. Clark's okay. is gonna dominate the rest of yeah. our conversation. <laughs> okay, so mine is clearly Thor. <laughs> of he's course. got. Oh, he, of, oh, course. of course. Clark loves right? Thor. Like, or Kevin loves Kevin Thor. Loves Thor. <laughs> I do. I do. But his arc is the best because it's across all of his movies. And across all of the Avengers films, I think he grows the most as a character. Like, he goes through the most changes, which is why I think it's the most compelling. Because you don't know where it's going to end up, and you can't predict where it's going to go. Yeah, I did not see Fat Thor coming at all. Right. <laughs> I could not have predicted that. Yeah. You didn't see that coming? No, but I mean, just from the get-go, you know, it's sort of the, the Shakespearean first movie, right? And you have him, like... Uh, you know, wanting to be king, but then ultimately rejecting the throne. And then you have uh, the dark world and all of his issues with his mom. Uh, and then you have Ragnarok and, you know, all of his issues with, you know, loss and like, what does it mean to lose the hammer and blah, blah, blah. And then you have, you know, through the Avengers movies too, they don't feature Thor too much in terms of his storyline, but you still see him growing as a person because the, well, the first Avengers deals with his relationship with his brother, which you have um, that pay off in dark world right away um so in terms of like the person who goes through the most trauma i think in terms of all the heroes um i think definitely thor's story is the most compelling which is why i think his arc was my favorite specifically in endgame because when you do the whole going back in time and you have them sort of doing all that reconciliation stuff like the fact that endgame lifts the movie the dark world that's pretty significant you know what i mean like that's a that's a huge accomplishment because no joke after endgame ended i was like man i need to go back and watch the dark world yeah cuz they even make fun of it when thor's like recounting the uh, elixir right the ether right. i mean yeah, yeah the ether yeah 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 exactly everyone fails to do they're supposed to be thor the measure of a person of a, a hero is how well they succeed at being who they are Come on, we gotta go. Three, two, boys. What am I looking at? Oh, sometimes it takes a second. (laughs) I'm still worthy. 
he's just such a sulky baby in Endgame. <laughs> so he doesn't go for the head. So then he becomes just like a sulky baby who's just playing Fortnite. <laughs> Noob Master, hey, it's Thor again. You know, the God of Thunder. And this is your favorite character arc. <gasps> yeah, yeah. That his culmination is he becomes a middle school boy. Um, excuse me. It's to show all of those who have gone through that kind of... And yet he's still worthy. Like, how fickle is Mjolnir? <laughs> like, how is he still worthy? Oh, That's come on. Point, no, man. no. And that, and that point when he gets back Mjolnir, oh, come on. But he's like, uh, you can go through. He's totally rejected everything that it means to be like the protector and guardian of Asgard. And he's just like holding himself up in his shack, like drinking beer and playing video games. And then he time travels back and is still worthy. Um, I, granted, I that's, legit there are some didn't understand crazy that. gospel implications there. That Okay, I would say granted oh, okay. that's after his moment Jesus with his Duke. mom. That's after yeah, his mom. I'm gonna Jesus mom. juke you right now. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna Jesus juke you right now. <laughs> Why Thor is the Jesus character of Endgame? <laughs> no, he's not the Jesus character. Mjol- Mjolnir is oh, Mjolnir Thor's is- Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I literally don't right? even understand yeah. what you're trying no, no, to no, argue. No, 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 no. We're not. We're not worthy. Okay, because of our deeds, we are worthy because of Christ's death and work on the cross for us. Right. So in the same way, the fact that Mjolnir comes back, it's a reminder to Thor that he wasn't worthy because anyway. Anyway, my laughter. But that is just absurd. Just stop. I'm just I, trying to I'm okay. trying to get Jesus on my side. I appreciate you trying, but uh... he does have a good character arc. I'm not saying he otherwise. He does. And I think that Hemsworth was the perfect casting for thor yes. and oh hands i totally. i have never been a thor fan um but the mcu made me like thor yeah yeah like the, the mcu same. made me like thor same, and same. i think that is awesome yes so yeah yeah all right I just, Clark, what, do, what do you got for us well i just i didn't i love the thor arc i just and i thought it was really interesting where it went with ragnarok i just thought it was too comical like even that moment where he's reconciling with his mom, it could have been a really sweet, serious moment, but it was just littered with like jokes and satire. And I was just like, "Ah, oh, come on!" Like, well, but, I mean, that's Thor a character is Thor a, is. Thor is well be, because he's not like Thor is such a serious. Let supposed me speak to be. In, let me speak in King James English. That <laughs> they had to, they had to make him like a stand-up comedian. To make him relatable because he's such a non-relatable yeah. comic character. Which is why I don't like the comic character either. So it's like they yeah. swung yeah. to the other side of the pendulum. Yeah. But it works, and it's the most interesting arc. <laughs> sure it is, Kevin. Sure. All right, Clark, who do you got? What's the most compelling storyline? Okay, so so here we go. My most compar- compelling storyline is Cap. And some people... You know, obviously, I think a lot of people love Cap. They love that he stands for like truth and righteousness and justice and all good things. That's like his anchor. Yeah, all good things. That's his anchor throughout all the movies. He's kind of like the moral compass to the Avengers. Yep. Which is number one reason why I love him. Um, he believes in God, according to Avengers One. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one God, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. 
And he's born, you know, he's from like the 40s. So everyone <laughs> in America was Christian back then, apparently. But um, some people, they think, you know, oh, he doesn't change much or he's just kind of this constant, which is good, but not as compelling. And then what I heard a lot with Endgame was almost everyone across the board said they hated how it his storyline ended. How he went back yep. in time, and again, spoiler alerts, and he chose to stay with Peggy, and they're like, that's so out of character because Cap can't stand by and watch Injustice happen. He would have lived a whole new life watching Hydra rise up within S.H.I.E.L.D. How could he just not do anything and just sit back and retire and live this you know, posh life with his girl, Peggy? Um, and I get why people hated that. I think those are valid questions, Clark. <laughs> They're valid questions, but I think to sim- to simply jump to it and say it's not in character is to miss the nuances of his arc throughout the movies. And this is why I like him the most, because I think it's it's so subtle, because Cap's always this character standing for justice and what's right and wrong, and he's a moral compass. And so he doesn't evolve much throughout the films, because he's always that moral compass, but because of this subtle like elevation in his character, I think it it kind of just pu- puts forth an even greater relatability with humanity. So let, let me let me explain what I mean. The reason I I actually really love the way they ended his story arc. It's because of the context of the films when in Age of Ultron, Scarlet Witch reveals his greatest fear. In that movie, his greatest fear throughout the movie is mentioned that that the war is over, and Peggy says, we can come, you can go home. The war's over. Are you ready for our dance? The war's over, Steve. We can go home. Imagine it. And even at the end of the movie, he's talking with Tony Stark. I just rewatched it recently, so, so it's fresh in my mind. I will miss you, Tony. Yeah? Well, it's time for me to tap out. Maybe I should take a page out of Barton's book, Build Pepper a Farm. Hope nobody blows it up. A simple life. You get there one day. I don't know. Family, stability. Guy who wanted all that went in the ice 75 years ago. I think someone else came out. You all right? I'm home. So to me, all that says is that his greatest fear is not having a war to fight. I think that's something that even comes up in Winter Soldier when he's talking with them. Like, don't you ever take a break? He says, no, I'm too busy. Um, So throughout all the movies, he's always fighting. He's always in this war. He always has to be the one to be like America's hero, America's soldier. So to me, when he lays the shield down and chooses this life to go back in time, he's like confronting his fear that that Ultron reveals, that Scarlet Witch reveals, and he's he's evolving a little bit or growing as a character and not having to always be at battle and finally going home. Yeah. You hear that, Mike? <laughs> you hear all those reasons why it was such an awesome storyline? I hear those reasons, but I, I still don't you? agree. No, you, you haven't. So I, I understand that. Um, and, and that is helpful because I don't remember all the deepest fears and, and all that stuff. Yeah, that Age um, of Ultron, mm, that was good. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Context. And it's helpful. Good exegesis. It, it, is, it is helpful. <laughs> yeah, you're a comic exegete. Um, but I just, I, so biblically, you know, if you want to 
think pastorally about justice. <laughs> wow, now you're gonna Jesus. All no, right, here we I, go. I'm, I'm not. I'm not Jesus juking. Um, I'm just trying to think biblically, right? And, and <laughs> I know that sounds like I'm throwing shade, but I'm really not. Um, like there are sins of commission and sins of omission, right? That there are sins that you commit by what you do, and there are times when you sin by not doing what you should. If you have the ability to stand for the oppressed and to do justice and you don't, then you are, you are sinning. And for Cap to go back in time and just enjoy family and these, you know, things that most normal people aspire to. Um, but he's not a normal person and he has right, he's the, Captain America. He's, he is Captain America. And I think for him to take that and to lay it down and to just ignore, um, I think is is sinful. <laughs> so I don't so I don't Cap's want to <laughs> <laughs> well yes, well, we for all, all have sinned. Wait, wait, wait. wait. But you're asking okay, okay, wait. So let's talk about this for a second. What do you assume happens when he goes back in time? Does he go to the same timeline? So yeah, and this is Or does he go to an alternate timeline and then jump back? So that's that's another like Well, they are they're all alternate think, timelines. I think we've already established that. Yeah, and even well, even the directors Russo's they acknowledge that he used his last time jump to jump back to that park bench. From Steve Rogers's perspective, it's still one timeline for him, right? Right, because his past becomes his future. Right, right. So the idea is from Steve Rogers's character arc perspective, the war is over. Right. So he's not not doing anything because he's already fought that war. So he can yeah. go back in time, experience the fullness of that life with Peggy Carter, and then jump back into this but particular But then what timeline. is she doing? So does she just become a stay-at-home mom and not work in shields? And she is fighting through all this— Now are you accusing off conjecture? <laughs> decades of— there is still war to come. There is still evil to be fought. No, no, you can't do that. You can't hey, do that. Hey, no eisegesis here. No eisegesis. <laughs> so I, you can't judge him based on what's not there. I'm not judging him for what he's doing as of the end of Thanos and the snap and Iron Man and everything. But for when he goes back in time, what are the effects then that he he goes back in time? I mean, so if I go back in time now to you know, before Hitler, and I can make an impact in saving the Holocaust and whatever. And I'm like, oh, you know, I've fought these good fights and whatever in my own time in the 90s and whatever. And, um, you know, I'm just going to go back and enjoy the good old days because I know it'll all end out okay. Like On the one hand, that's I think that's just... That's just unfair, man. You're just basing it off of what didn't happen. <laughs> I think I think it's possible, based on who he was, he still like stood for truth when he was back there. He still did stuff. Like I, I think it's very possible when he went back, Hydra never rose up within Shield because he knew all that. He would have gone and told them, "Hey, you know, uh, Zola is going to infiltrate. Don't hire him." And boom, he doesn't have to fight. So then, are there years when there's to Captain America's because then like he could just be like, hey, there's a second me frozen in this ice up in the Arctic. Well, we don't know that, but 
But okay, but this is the other reason why I do like his story arc. Like, it just doesn't make sense. No, oh, it makes sense. It makes sense. It doesn't. It I, does. I wish it did. I wish it, it did. It does. I Mike. don't get it. You're 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 going off too much off the conjectures of what what if. But I think the reason I also love that about him is because so I'm like we always want the hero to get the happy ending, right? Almost every movie, we love a movie with a happy ending. For whatever reason, people hated that Cap got his happy ending. Because he's like this godlike figure who's always our, you know, fights our battles for us, stands for truth and righteousness, and he's the hero that America wants, everyone wants. And I think that talks a lot about like, we all want to, we want someone like that in our lives, but we also want to be like that person. Um, but but the reason why I loved it is because even when he goes home, it, it kind of taps into this struggle with even the heroes in the hero and comic book lore of how do they live out their calling as a hero with this responsibility, but also wanting like a normal life. And it's almost like things are flipped because for us, we all live normal lives and we want to be heroes. So we want excitement, we want adventure, and that's part of the reason we're drawn to these heroes. But for cap going home it's almost like showing us that even that life is not satisfying fulfilling fulfilling and he still desires to have this normalcy in his life um and i think and this is where i also think it ties in a little bit to thor's storyline um because if you think about with thor like what made thor worthy in thor one because he was banished from asgard uh and he sent he sent to this podunk town in new mexico and like what makes thor worthy it's this it's this whole like realization of becoming normal, like laying down power and authority and realizing what great sacrifice was. And then he becomes normal, um, which, by the way, this is also my theory of why Cap is worthy in Endgame and not worthy in Age of Ultron. Because in Age of Ultron, you get that glimpse where like he barely lifts the hammer and then Endgame, he's wielding it fully. And some people have said, you know, oh, the what makes him worthy is that he, you know, came clean about Tony's. Right. secret about right, right, his parents right, right, being right. killed by but uh-huh. i i don't know because to me like he didn't know that until bucky told him when he's reconnecting with bucky throughout the film right because he didn't know those events before mm-hmm. um, exactly so to me what made him worthy was actually he had this resolve when he goes back to the 1970s with tony and sees peggy he's already decided he's gonna lay the shield down and stop going to war and he's confronted his fears well that's what now makes him worthy to wield the hammer so but all that to say, this like to me, it it shows this whole theme of like humanity and this struggle and tension between greatness versus obscurity, mediocrity, um, and almost like in a sense, Cap is this figure where we look at and we say like he's the ideal, he's the hero we all want to be, and yet even he wants to settle down and have a normal life uh, because he's always chasing war, and it really taps into this human desire of this struggle we feel between like wanting greatness and success and being extraordinary, but then also just wanting simple, ordinary things and realizing there's beauty in obscurity. I think that's really good. I think that's part of the struggle for coronavirus, right? And COVID-19 and being stuck at home. Um, There's a sense in which this is kind of what we want, like extended periods to be with our families slower life and all this stuff but then we wrestle with an internal tension of like but i want to be out there doing good things and you know uh building things and moving forward with my life and stuff like that yeah yeah i definitely think that's part of even for myself like what am i doing with my time how am i using my time 
um, why is it on one hand I'm enjoying being at home with with family and having this extended time, but I also wrestle with it. I see it as a moment to teach that like we are not the saviors of those around us, and while we shouldn't just settle for a quiet, comfortable life and not care about anything around us, I think that's unfair to also say that Cap did that and he didn't care at all. Like I still think, like I said, I think it's very possible. He told them Zola shouldn't be part of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's going to create Hydra, whatever, whatever. But I do think it's a reminder that like it, it taps into this whole, like our culture's desire for you could be anything you want. You know, you could become great, just try hard enough. And and to me, that was even a lesson where even that, it's not going to fulfill and satisfy. Um, and there's something to living just like an ordinary, mediocre life, but doing it faithfully and well. And And I think we can draw lessons from that even when it comes to shepherding and discipleship. Like we can still live out our discipleship without doing these like great world changing things like our culture tells us to. I think a lot of our a lot of our modern message of Christianity is just appropriating the message of our culture, you know, go and change the world, but do it in the name of Jesus. But really, like, no one can change the world single-handedly, not even as a single organization. Um, Christ is the one who changes the world for us, and we live it out in faithful, everyday, ordinary moments in our lives as we see extraordinary measures of grace lived out in us. That was beautiful. Yeah, Mike. That was just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Mike. I yeah, still Mike. am not convinced. <laughs> You know, so I agree with pretty much everything you just said, except for how it pertains. I just don't like it's like great theology, wrong scripture passage to me. Um, it's like reading an Augustine sermon. Yes. Oh, man, that's so good, Augustine. You are so brilliant, Augustine. But the parable of the Good Samaritan does not teach that. Like, I get that. That's how I feel about what you just said as it pertains to Cap. Because I feel like at the end, he he was not faithful. Um, I feel like at the end, he, he wavered. All right. Well, obviously, I didn't convince you. But hopefully all the listeners realize that I'm right and Mike is wrong. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like this is a recurring statement in our podcast? <laughs> well, you just need to pick the right side. Yeah. <laughs> um. How else do you guys see these story arcs, maybe like thematic character developments as these lessons, so to speak, of um, addressing our culture? Because I think so much of comic culture is is a reflection of our modern youth culture um, when it comes to this whole like self-actualization, uh, this tension between... Um, you know, being the hero that, uh, well, on the one hand, you know, wanting to do what what makes us happy and pursuing this you do you culture where we can be everything we want to be, and yet on the other hand, every hero goes through this period of like wrestling, and every hero also usually has to make a sacrifice to be the hero, right? Like Spider Man has to give up, you know, his love interest for a time, although depending on which comics you read, he has it or not. We have to, when we're called to follow Christ, we're called to even live life generally. Everyone will come to a point where we have to deny ourselves somewhere. So this this whole pursuit of happiness being our utmost goal in life, it, it, it buckles underneath itself because it can't stand. So how does that come into play with, with our own intersect of discipleship and ministry? Yeah, uh, along with that is just the reality of evil, um, that there are things worth fighting. 
um, and there are things worth laying laying your desires and self aside for, um, unless you're Captain America and have already done that for a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you just get to have whatever you want. Face these um, fears, man. Face so, these fears. <laughs> you know, but the like you. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is that sense of um, heroism that I think is good to affirm and to call and advise students into, you know, because it's not just about like the, the people that you see in comics and in comic movies who are about their own agenda are the villains and the heroes are the ones who are looking out for the rest. And yet we look around in celebrity culture and just in the world and the messages that students hear and it's like, you do you, man, you do you yeah. live your dream, you know, live your truth. Um, and I do think that these, these stories resonate because of the innate quality of heroism as service and that it is not about the hero. Uh, that the only characters who are pursuing their own desires are the villains. That's super good and insightful to bring out. Because, like for me, being in San Francisco, highly post-Christian city, most of my ministry to youth when I was in youth ministry not so long ago was was to people who didn't grow up in Christian homes um, and a lot of non-Christian kids in general— and just trying to try almost like apologetically show them the the lostness of the culture's worldview and the worldview that's being pushed on them um, and pointing them to a greater view of the world that comes in the form of God's kingdom and the way of Christ. Um, so I think that's a really important distinction to show that like if all we're living for is to pursue our own hopes and dreams, which sounds which sounds noble, right? The way we put it, just dream big and, you know, do what you want to be. be it's like every be. graduation slogan. Yeah, exactly. Um, try hard enough, you could be whatever you want to be. But in reality, that's actually so selfish and self-serving that you become the villain in the process. <laughs> and it's just not true. <laughs> and exactly. It's completely it's true. It's just not. It's not. Wow, you guys have just crushed my dreams. That's not what the American <laughs> dream means. I missed that. I said, you guys just crushed my dreams. That's... We oh, are. Well, deal with it. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, we are well, Thanos crushing the dreams yeah. of all the world. <laughs> but um, this this uh, this conversation particularly reminds me of Spider-Man's arc in uh, Far From Home, because that's what he's wrestling with. He just wants to be a kid, and yet you have Nick Fury, um, who's, who's pushing him to be the hero, because the world right now needs Spider-Man, because Iron Man doesn't exist anymore, you know? Um, and that's how I think Jake Gyllenhaal's character Mysterio is able to gain Spider-Man's trust because he's like he's able to manipulate him because he's like, yeah, you're just a kid. It's okay to be just a kid, you know. He, uh, rather than challenging him to uh, go beyond that and to realize that there's something else, you know, um, which is why he feels the freedom to like just hand him the glasses and leave. But he realizes what a grave mistake that was later on, and then tries to to fix it. And again. That's part of his development as a character is to realize that there's a cost to the uh, 
you know, with great power with comes great, great power responsibility. Comes great responsibility. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was literally just gonna. I'm like, yeah, that's the line, right? Look, I'm not looking for a side gig as a Spider-Man coach. I got a lot going on in my dimension, like a lot. With great power comes Don't great. Don't you dare finish that sentence. Don't do it. I'm sick of it. So, how then do we? communicate this to our students especially who are living in this world of pursue your dreams what like how do we communicate the message of of and the way of the gospel which is like yes we want we desire the world to be changed but we are not the ones who are going to change it so because i often feel this tension in ministry of how much do i want to push people to like strive for ambition for jesus versus on the other hand like being faithful in small, ordinary ways and being okay with that and not giving into the culture's desire for success and greatness through like a, you know, Christ, cheesy Christian way. I think it's kind of like a David and Goliath thing, isn't it? Where everyone wants to see themselves as David, but like Jesus is David. You are the Israelite cowering and peeing yourself in the tent. <laughs> um, you know, that we need... We need a savior. We need a rescuer because there are giants who have like humongous swords who want who will chop off your head if you get too close. Um, but there is a savior, and you are not him. There's no like one answer fits all in terms of how you encourage students to do that. Uh, similar to I think the. The arc, okay, so I wrote about this actually on a Rooted article, but the arc of Iron Man and the arc of Captain America are both about how they achieve this, but it goes in totally different directions. Right, right, they flip. They flip, and that's the point. Right. The point is where they start with, you assume from the get-go that they're going to end in a particular direction, but through the MCU, through the 10 years of the MCU, they end up flipping and they end up crossing crossing over, you know, and having the opposite ending that you'd assume that they their characters would lend itself to in the beginning. Right, and that's right. the character growth. That's the arc. That's what we enjoy about these stories. Except for Mike. Come on, man. <laughs> Except for Mike. Um, but I think for our students, it's similarly the same way. So if you have students who's like, I'm going to, you know, go to the best college and get the best grades and that's going to glorify God the most, that's probably an idol and you probably need to talk to that student about what it means to not necessarily like glorify god best in that way but in other ways right because what they're doing is they're conflating glory for god and glory for themselves right right um and then you have other students who are like oh well you know i'm not gonna work hard in this area because i think what god really wants me to do you know what i mean and and the idea is that you're just appropriating what you believe god wants you to do for you really your own desires Right, so I think either way, there's a sense in which there's always going to be a natural desire and an idol that we need to speak into when it comes to our students' ideas of success. And um, I think everyone has a cross to bear. Right, that's why Jesus says, "If you want to follow me, you have to take up your own cross." And that looks different for everybody. Yeah, I just I so I have this struggle often when I'm thinking for myself, especially. Um, in ministry, but also when I think about my students and the culture they're growing up in, of, like, on the one hand, we always talk about wanting to be, like, I mean, this is really big in youth culture, especially the church, but wanting to be, like, world changers, or like that song, History Maker, uh, that, that old school one, I'm going to be a history maker, mm-hmm. um, versus, like, and, and with that comes often a lot of, well, what is it? going to mean it means i have to be like the best in this area i have to really strive for 
success. And and even to be honest, a lot of what what goes into this whole like transforming the city verbiage today with church planning, um, a lot of it is to me it comes off as kind of uh, triumphalist. Like we we're going to transform the city by being the biggest and most influential in our cities. And I often have issues with that. While it sounds good and noble, when I think back, like when Jesus says, those who, who will be with me are not those who exalt themselves, but those who are who humble themselves, then the Lord will exalt them. Um, or follow the way of Christ who emptied himself and, and came in the form of a lowly servant. Uh, and there's just all these passages I see in scripture that point us to a life of not just servitude, but lowly servitude in a way where we're completely obscure and even outcasts, like on the fringes of society. And it's through that way that the gospel is going to be proclaimed even more loudly through our outcastedness in society, through our obscurity. Um, so I've wrestled with that a lot, uh, especially recently as I've become more aware of this in my own heart and my own striving after greatness, even in the name of ministry. Um, and, and just trying to think like, what is the way of Christ and what does that mean for how we shepherd students? And more and more, I think I'm becoming convinced that the way of Christ is not this triumphalism, but it is more in this, like we will shape and change culture in the world around us as we live out um, obscurity for Christ in ways that are just faithful, but extraordinary because the power of God seen all the more through our weakness, as Paul says in first Corinthians. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think pastors face that same temptation totally. and, and, um, you know, wanting Twitter followers and wanting your article to go viral and you want that book contract and you want to speak in, uh, the main session, not just as a workshop. And, you know, like the aspiration for influence. Um, and of course it's all for God's glory, right? Right. Um, right. and just that reality that if you are a, if you are simply a faithful youth pastor, is that enough? Or you and feel like you're failing in some way. Right. Or like, do you, is this a good use of your gifts or of like, you know, fill in the blanks or whatever? Like, um, because the reality is there is never going to be a high influence um, pastor in the Gospel Coalition or T4G or wherever who is a, a youth, youth pastor. pastor. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you stay in youth ministry, you are inherently limiting your credibility with a whole bunch of people. And I love those organizations. Um, so that's not a critical thing necessarily, as much as it is just a recognition that as a youth pastor, you will always be less respected than someone who, than even yourself, if you had a different ministry title. So will you will you be faithful in youth ministry and just simply simply be faithful? Did you guys hear that? That's the sound of uh thousands of youth pastors' dreams being crushed by the reality. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just Snapping say? dreams like, out of what? existence. There's no glory uh, in this. So now I'm Thanos. You're <laughs> joking. You're joking. That just all got dusted. No, but, but I think this conversation is yeah. so good yeah. because it's we important. totally yeah. yes, 
We totally need to hear it. We need to hear it all the time. Well, and, and I, get, I, I guess that's why like, I really love the tension of comic heroes. Because to me, it's a reminder that like, you know, attaining greatness is not going to fulfill me the way I think it is. Because I'm going to, kind of like you said, Kevin, with Spider-Man, like I'm going to feel this burden on me of carrying the weight of the world and not getting to just be a normal person. Um, and I think, you know, the grass is always greener or like once we're on the other side, we always look back at it with more romanticism and fondness. But to me, it is just a reminder that wherever we are, if we're not striving first and foremost for just Christ-likeness, um, then we're going to come up empty-handed and we're just going to get crushed by the burden of whatever side of the coin we're on. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I, like I love Spidey so much. And um, <laughs> Far From Home, you know, he's talking with Fury. We need a hero. We need this. We need that. And what does he say about himself? He's like, man, I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. And Fury's like, please, you've been to space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. But the Spidey just sees himself as a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Like, will we be a friendly neighborhood youth pastor? Or are we like, man, I bet the space. Like, do you want to hear how amazing and awesome I am? You know, it's like, come on. Like, just yeah. chill out and be a friendly yeah. neighborhood youth pastor. No, I think this conversation is really good and helpful because I do think that this is something I'm learning now. I've been in youth ministry for 15 years plus. And it's not that I didn't know this before, but there's something about like where I am in my life that really lends itself to being open to this idea that... Uh, what Second Corinthians uh, twelve ten says, right? For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong, right? So this it's this idea of like walking in weakness, and I think that that's um, what it means to do ministry well. Is we don't minister out of our strengths, but we do minister out of our weaknesses. And then bringing that back to comic books, I mean, how many comic books end with the average human being doing some sort of like final, like they just, they hand the superhero the weapon or they give them like just that one quick little distraction so that the superhero can, you know, gather their wits and then end up finishing whatever they need to. Like superheroes need help too. And that's how a lot of these story arcs end. Yeah. And I think on the other hand too, like, like what you were going back to what you're saying, Mike, of being, you know, just be a friendly neighborhood youth pastor. On the other hand, we also see that like when God has gifted leaders in the church, like I think of like Joshua, Moses, and in the New Testament, Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul, they've also been encouraged to not shy away from the responsibility God has given them. Um, just yeah, that's the clearest good. one is Moses, right? Right. Um, he he was like, who am I? And yet he's had confirmation after confirmation that God tells him, you're going to lead Israel, so don't just be this like lowly servant boy, do what I'm calling you to do. And but it's so not I because see, he was angling for it. Right, right. It's because God put him in that place being weak so that God would be the one to be showed to be strong. Um, so I think on the other hand, too, like it, this is again where I always come in this this tension of which way do I lean, and it's... Maybe like you're saying, Kevin, not an either or, but but how am I being faithful where God has placed me? Um, and and I think of a great verse, Second Corinthians ten thirteen. Paul says, "We will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even you." 
Um, and then he talks about how we're, we're only going to, we're not going to go beyond the limits of what God has assigned to us, but just be faithful where he has assigned us. And he talks about that too in first Corinthians three with the whole, you know, whoever works in the field and whatever place they're in. So I think, well, not to say that, um, we should like greatness and success is okay. And we should, you know, just be faithful, uh, seek it. But I think if God does give us for some men, some people in history, some men and women, um, God will assign greater influence and, uh, and maybe they shouldn't want to shy away, but like this whole with great power comes great responsibility. Um, but still showing that, like you said, Kevin, too, it is the power of Christ working in our weaknesses as the Lord has assigned to us, not as we've sought out ourselves. That's the show. Well, that concludes this episode of Thanos to Theos. Thanks again for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoyed our nerding out over our character analysis of the MCU, but also just considering what that means for us in discipleship as ministers, as parents, as youth workers, uh, or even just as Christians trying to live faithfully in this world. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll join us again in the future. As always, if you'd like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at Thanos to Theos, or you can also email us at the same handle, Thanos to Theos at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you and also answer any questions you may have. Thanks, guys. Wash your hands. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh. <laughs>